This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Earlier in the week, Wednesday I think it was, we had an episode of Suspense that featured Robert Young starring in the lead role as a man who was beset with horrible nightmares. Remember that? Well, tonight we once again feature this talented actor in the classic farce Mr. and Mrs. Smith, along with the talents of Joan Bennett. Now, besides acting on the stage, Bennett appeared in more than 70 motion pictures from the era of silent movies well into the sound area, and she's probably best remembered for her film noir femme fatale roles in director Fitz Lang's movies such as The Woman in the Window and Scarlet Street, 1945. In the 1960s, she achieved success for her portrayal of Elizabeth Collins Stoddard on TV's Dark Shadows. That was in 1968, for which she received an Emmy nomination. In her New York Times obituary, she was said to be, quote, one of the most underrated actresses of her time. And now, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. Screen Guild play tonight. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the starring players. This is Joan Bennett. This is Robert Young. This is Ralph Bellamy. Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in a rib-tickling farce about a marital mishap, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Our stars are lovely Joan Bennett, who plays Mrs. Smith, Robert Young as Mr. Smith, and Ralph Bellamy as Jefferson Custer III. September the 10th, 1939, David Smith married Anne Krausheimer. On September the 11th, they had a quarrel. But on the morning of September the 12th, they made up. David said it was his fault. Anne said it was her fault. On September the 13th, they had a quarrel. But on the morning of September the 14th, they made up. David said it was his fault. Anne said it was her fault. Yesterday was December the 13th, 1942. And they had a quarrel. We joined them on the morning of December the 14th. 
It was all my fault, Anne. No, David, darling, it was my fault. You were dead right about my brother. He is a bum. Of course he is, but I shouldn't pick on your relatives. It isn't sporting. Well, I called your Aunt Edith an old tomato. But she is an old tomato. Well, just the same, I didn't have to prove it. I guess I lost my head when you threw the sugar bowl at me. No, I shouldn't have done that, David. My heart leapt up in my throat and sort of hung there the minute I saw it flying through the air. Nothing to be frightened about. I ducked in plenty of time. That's what frightened me. It really was a cowardly thing to do, David. You knew very well you were standing right in front of the potted palm that Mother gave us for Christmas. I know you never liked my mother. Now, let's not bring your mother into this. This is a free country. My mother has a perfect right to come into the conversation. Not into my conversation. It's my conversation, too. Oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you something. Tell me nothing. I'll tell you something. Well, and so the Smiths had another quarrel. Somehow or other, David got into his new tweed topcoat, on which Anne thought she saw some dark hairs, and got out of the house at last. We pick him up as he arrives in his office and is confronted by his partner, Jefferson Custer III, which was just too, too many. All right, Jeff, so it's 11 o'clock. I burn my candles at both ends. I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. I'm forever blowing bubbles. I'm a mess. Now, please get that suffering expression off your face. That's quite unfair, David. I only suggested that the members of a legal firm should have a little more regard for routine. I'd be glad to, but I can't let business interfere with the fights I have at home. It's a pity you can't be less aggressive in your relationship with Anne. Oh, naturally, I'm to blame. I didn't say that. But it does seem odd that you have so many quarrels. Anne is such a gentle person. Gentle? She's the only dreamboat I ever saw with 16-inch guns. <laughs> What's on the docket for today? Any new cases? Well, a Mr. Deaver wants to see you. He's been waiting an hour. Deaver? Never heard of him. Bring him in. Says it's a private matter. I won't stay. Of course you'll stay. You know I never talk to a client unless you're around. Bring him in. Very well. Mr. Smith will see you now, Mr. Deaver. I appreciate the compliment you paid me, David. Compliment? I just meant that you're great atmosphere. Other law officers have marble statues of Alexander Hamilton. We have you. Oh. Oh. Mr. Smith, I am Weonidas Deaver. Well, have a chair, Mr. Deaver. What's on your mind? Are you Mr. David Smith? That's right. Are you the Mr. David Smith who married Miss Ann Klausheimer in Beecham, Idaho? I am. In that case, Mr. Smith, I have a surprise for you. Oh, goody. Beecham is not in Idaho, but Nevada. It just found out by a new survey. You don't say. Yep. So you and Miss Klausheimer are not legally married. Well, I could have that. What? Say that again. You're not really married, Mr. Smith. Isn't that reprehensible? <laughs> oh, David, that's terrible. I see no reason for amusement, David. This is quite a serious matter. Serious? It's hilarious. For three years, get this, for three years I've been pounding on the bathroom door and saying, hurry up and get out of that tub. And who was in the tub? Miss Krausheimer. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Anne. Now, David, if you've just called me up to start another argument... Argument, darling? Nothing was further from my mind. Look, I've got a great idea. Let's call off that bridge date tonight and just stay home and be romantic. David, are you feeling all right? I never felt better in my whole life. I just happen to feel romantic, that's all. Now, let's have an intimate little dinner and you can wear that black lacy thing. Just a minute, David. Who is it? Your dear mother, darling. Oh, well, sit down. I'll be right there. It was mother, David. Your best. What? I said give her my best. And, uh... 
Get rid of her before I come home. Get rid of her? Well, I mean, we don't want anyone around tonight, darling. Let's have candles on the table and put on some of that perfume I like. You know, the kind that makes my nostrils twitch. Why, David, what on earth come over you? You just wait and see. Will you be ready? Oh, yes, darling. Goodbye. Goodbye, sweet. Dear, Hello, I... Mother. I suppose you dropped in for lunch. My poor little girl. There's nothing wrong with me. What are you talking about? You're not married. You're crazy. Oh, no, I'm not. I met Leonardo Steva from Beecham this morning, and he explained that Beecham is really in Nevada, and you had an Idaho license. Is that bad? It means you're not legally married. Oh, my poor baby. To think that such a disgrace should come to the Krausheimers. Calm down, Mother. All David has to do is marry me again, and as soon as I tell him... Well, he knows by now. Mr. Deaver was going to see him this morning. Oh. oh, of course he knows. I see the whole thing now. Did he mention it when he was talking to you on the phone? No, but he will. He wants to be romantic about it. We're having dinner at home tonight with candles, and he'll propose all over again. My poor child, I hope you're right. I've never trusted David Smith. Now, you listen to me, Anne. If he doesn't propose well, don't tonight... be ridiculous, Mother. Of course he'll propose. I won't say yes right away, of course. I'll, I'll make him coax me like I did the first time. But don't you worry, Mother. As soon as dinner is over, David and I will make you an honest mother-in-law. my idea of a really swell dinner. It was, darling. Definitely. You buy the best canned spaghetti I ever tasted. <laughs> How about some more champagne? No, thanks. I'm all bubbly now. <laughs> Anne, there's something I'd like to say to you. Yes, David. Come here. <laughs> now, what do you want to tell me? Anne. Yes? Gee, you smell good. <laughs> oh. David, I was thinking today, how would you like to go to Beecham on our next vacation? Now, don't change the subject. There's something about you tonight that goes right to my nose. Oh. Seductive, that's what that perfume is. <laughs> when I first met you in Beecham, you smelled of hay and Castile soap. Did I tell you that Mother was here today? We had quite a chat. I'll bet you did. And that reminds me. Yes, David? And there's something I want to ask you. Yes, David? How come a girl with a mother like yours can smell so nice? <laughs> I believe I will take some more champagne. That's the spirit. Why don't we take the bottle and a couple of glasses and go in the, the other room? The uh, other room? Sure. Let's go in and get comfortable and maybe turn the little radio on nice and low. David, I want to tell you something. But none of that swing stuff. Tonight, I want Guy Lombardo. Come on. David Smith, you'd better listen to me right now. Must be pretty important. It certainly is. I know all about the Idaho wedding license. Oh, Oh, that? Yes, that. Mother heard it from Mr. Deaver. Well, looks like I'm out on a double play. Deaver to mother to you. You knew all the time and you weren't going to tell me. Oh, you're wrong, sweetheart. I was going to tell you later. How much later? Well... Oh, I should have known it. Oh, now take it easy, honey. You were just going to lead me on and on, and when you got tired of me, you were going to cast me aside like a worn-out orange. The word is glove. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean any harm, honey. We'll go down to City Hall and get married again first thing in the morning. Where do you think you're going to spend the night? Well, here, of course. Oh, no, you're not. You, 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 Guy Lombardo listener. Oh, but darling, you... Get out. Oh, you're just upset, baby. After all, a man's wife can't... No, I'm not your wife. 
I'm Miss Ann Krausheimer, and you don't live here anymore. Oh, sweetheart, you don't mean it. Hmm, she means it. Good morning, Miss Lanning. Good morning, Mr. Smith. Mr. Custer is waiting for you in your office. Thanks. Hello. Sit down, David. There's something I want to say to you. Briefly, uh, briefly, it's... Really? What else is new? <laughs> Pardon me, I, I believe I'm getting a cold this beastly weather. Now you should have your galoshes retreaded. But uh, you had something to say to me? Yes, I, uh, I just spoke to Anne on the telephone. Oh? I asked her to come down here to talk this thing over quietly and sanely. You're much too fine, both of you, to have this happen. My gosh, Jeff, it's awfully decent of you to... I'm going to take matters into my own hands, David. After all, you and Anne, you mean a good deal to me. Why, Jeff, I... Shake hands with me, Jeff. Glad to, old man. Jeff, you're the best friend a man ever had. We're partners, old man. You're the best law partner a man ever had. We were school chums, old man. And you were the best fullback Michigan ever had. Oh, come now, old man. I always said Harmon was a greater back, but I was wrong, Jeff. Harmon couldn't touch you. Uh, thanks, old man. Mrs. Smith is here. Send her in, old man. I mean, uh, send her in. This way, Mrs. Smith. Hello, Jeff. Oh, I'm glad to see you, Anne. I... Talk to my uh, lawyer. Uh, your lawyer? What lawyer? Anne has asked me to represent her in this matter, David. <laughs> what? Anne doesn't need a lawyer. You're right, David. She doesn't. Because according to the facts, you two aren't married at all. Why, you sniveling shyster. You call yourself a lawyer? Someday an ambulance is going to back up and knock all your teeth out. Now, let's not lose our tempers. We must face facts. You two simply are not married and never have been. Oh, uh, I admit a certain relationship has existed between you. Let us mm. not go into that. And the law states clearly that should the woman care to halt this relationship and marry someone else, she has a legal right to do so. Really? Are you sure, Jeff? Absolutely. Peterson versus Peterson, Jones versus Jones, Brown versus Brown, the state of Pennsylvania versus Horowitz. My, Horowitz sounds like a bigamist. You're supposed to be a friend of mine, Custer, and you tell her about Horowitz? I have never taken advantage of our friendship, David. And it's only because you're standing here that I'm able to say to Anne, decently and honestly, Anne, would you care to have dinner with me tomorrow night? <gasps> Why, of course, Jeff, where? Anne, I warn you, if you have dinner with him tomorrow night, we're through. Good. What time, Jeff? We're through, Anne. From now on, we're just friends. The store club all right, Jeff? Anywhere you say. Very well. Goodbye, Ann. And as for you, Custer... Yes, David? You couldn't carry Harmon's water bucket. Achoo! And so the curtain falls on the first act of the Lady Esther Screen Guild Players presentation, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Starring Robert Young, Joan Bennett, and Ralph Bellamy. For the second act of the RKO comedy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, starring Joan Bennett as Anne, Robert Young as David, and Ralph Bellamy as Jeff. Well, two weeks have passed, and Anne's date with Jeff has turned into a series of dates. David is frantic, because he has heard that Anne intends to marry Jeff. 
And Anne is frantic because David is frantically chasing her all over town, which is a pretty frantic situation. We find Anne frantically knocking on Jeff's door. Ed, what are you doing here? It's either your apartment or the park, Jeff. David has taken over my home. Well, come in, come in. You poor girl. Oh, no, you're so understanding. How's the cold? Oh, fine. I think it's dearly gone. <laughs> well, think again. I'm so glad you decided to come to me with your troubles. You know you could always count on me. Always. <clears throat> oh, thanks, Jeff. And Gesundheit a million. I mean, well, you know what I mean. Of course. <clears throat> Say, young man, what you need is a little medical attention. Where's your bar, your liquor cabinet? I feel fine, Dad. No, you sit right down. I'll have you fixed up in a jiffy. Ah, here we are. Ed, that's whiskey. Of course. David always takes this for a cold or anything else. Is that all for me? Two big swallows now, and there'll just be one less pneumonia case tomorrow. But I don't drink liquor. I just keep that here for uh, for friends. You mean you never drink? I haven't anything against other people drinking it, by you, but I just never seem to have got around to breaking training for my football days, you know. <laughs> I eat four different vegetables a day. But this isn't just alcohol, Jeff. It's medicine. Well, if you think I ought to take Yes, it... I do. One big gulp now. All right. <sighs> there we are. My goodness. Didn't you feel it? Didn't it burn or anything? Oh, no, I've tried this before. Uh, As an experiment, of course. (laughs) Taking a drink simply does not affect me. My uh, metabolism, I guess. I've never seen anyone hold it like that. I don't think one is going to do you any good. Now, hey. It's all medicine. Kills the gems. Drink it up now. (laughs) Your health. What a constitution. You know, I believe my cold's gone. I never saw anyone in my life who could swallow whiskey like that. Oh, I imagine it's common among cases of high metabolism. <laughs> high what? Uh, metabolism. Oh, oh. This is chilly. If you don't mind, I'll fight a liar in the plier face. <laughs> Um, maybe that second one was too much. Nonsense, my dear. I... <clears throat> Miss Anne, I... may I pardon you back for a moment? Certainly. I find a cold shower about a cat. I mean, tartar ba- uh, alcohol. If, if you'll... If you'll... Jeff, Jeff, speak to me. Jeff, wake up. Oh, dear. Jeff, coming, coming. Is uh, this Mr. Jefferson Custer III's apartment? Yes, that's he on the floor. (laughs) Won't you come in? May I ask just what is going on here? Too much metabolism, I guess. Here, help me get his clothes off. Very well, I... I beg your pardon. Now, (laughs) don't be stuffy. This is an emergency. Say, who are you, anyway? I am his mother. His mother? Oh, oh, please, Mrs. Custer, let me explain. As a matter of fact, I insist that you do. Well, I, I'm a friend of his, and, well... Oh! Oh, look, I, I think he's coming, too. Oh! Jeff, are you all right, Jeff? Yes, I, I think so. Oh, my... Mother, where did you come from? From Newport. And rather opportunity, it seems. 
Jefferson, who is this woman? She's, uh... Oh, now, wait a minute. Uh, don't get the wrong impression, Mother. Anne's a very dear, sweet girl, and none of this is her fault at all. She was only trying to help. Oh, indeed. Miss Krausheimer happens to be a very good friend of mine. More than a friend, I might add. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. As a matter of fact, Anne and I are going to be married. Married? Oh, that's different, my dear. I am sorry for what I've said. I know that if my son wants you for his wife, you are everything you should be. Thank you. Hi, this is our busy night, isn't it? Would you answer the door, Anne? Of course. So I thought you'd be here. David, don't you dare make a scene because... Well, because Jeff's mother is here. Now, please, David. Who is it, Anne? Oh, hello, David. Mother, come here. This is my partner, David Smith. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Smith? How do you do? Jeff's written me so much about you. Oh, uh, I presume you know Miss Krausheiber? Oh, we, we met some time ago. I've, um, I've just heard the news, Mr. Smith. Isn't it thrilling? Oh, but I suppose it's an old story to you. Older than you think, Mrs. Coster. Hey, Krause? <laughs> Where are you going on your honeymoon, Jeff? Bermuda? Oh, I wouldn't advise it. Anne's a bad sailor. Say, Krause, remember the trip we took on the Albany night boat? The uh, Albany night boat? If you do take a boat trip, Jeff, you'll have to put her to bed and hold a hot water bottle on her stomach. I know, brother. Why, all night long I stand there with a... Oh, boat. he considers well, himself a medical authority, Mrs. Krause. Oh. Really? David, don't you think you ought to be leaving? Oh, sure. I just dropped in to ask Krause if my shorts were back in the laundry. <laughs> Your shorts? Krause, uh, uh, Ann sort of took care of his things around the house. <laughs> little household things. Mm-hmm. Best little housekeeper you ever saw. Jeff's a lucky man, Mrs. Custer. I wish he was going to marry me. You do, Mr. Smith? You bet. Krause's quite a girl, Mrs. Custer. Believe me, I ought to know. I've been sitting across the breakfast table from her for three solid years. Oh! Jefferson, this time I was running along. I'd like to see you later, if you don't mind. In private. Goodbye. David Smith, I hate you. That was downright mean, David. However, it'll do you no good. I intend to marry Anne before this month is out. Before this week is out. What's the matter with tonight? Right now. Why, Kat, that's a good idea. It certainly is. We'll be married tonight. Oh, you, you mean tonight? Sure. <laughs> Jeff and I know a justice of the peace who lives in this neighborhood. He can be over here in five minutes with a special license. But, but, but this is so sudden. Yes, but it'll settle things once and for all. I'll go inside and phone him. In five minutes, we'll be man and wife. Mm-hmm. Well, Anne, I hear you're getting married. Congratulations. Would you like to borrow my copy of What Every Girl Should Know? <laughs> you engineered this, you sneak, marrying me off to that man. I thought you loved him. I do love him. I love him madly. But how do I know whether I want to marry him? Well, I won't let you do to good old Jeff what you've done to me. His reputation must be protected. You are a... I know. It rhymes with mouse. Well, it's all settled. Justice will be over here in a couple of minutes with a special license. Fine. And to show there's no hard feelings, I'll be the best man. Well, let's have a little drink to your happiness. You no, know I never drink. Oh, come now. Man only gets married now and then. Jeff doesn't drink, David. Liquor does things to him. Why, Anne? You know drinking doesn't affect me. Oh, if you're referring to what happened before. Well, it must have been something I ate. Sure, that's all it was. Why, Jeff can handle any amount of the stuff. It's the food that throws him every time. Absolutely. Remember the night after we won the Barrington case, Jeff? We thought we ought to celebrate, so we sent out for a salami sandwich and five bottles of vodka. What happened? Poor old Jeff passed out cold. Salami went right to his head. <laughs> you know, I haven't touched a salami sandwich since. Oh, but this is nothing but a harmless bottle of whiskey. Come on, have a drink. Better not, Jeff. Nonsense. It couldn't possibly hurt me. That's right. We men know what we're doing. Pour a shot for all of us, Jeff, old man. You bet, old man. One for you. 
And one for you. And one for me. Is this your idea of a shot, Jeff? Certainly. Looks more like a barrage. <laughs> well, my friends, here's to a long... Oh, pardon me, I'll answer it. It's probably just as cards. Well, Anne, in a few minutes, you'll be Mrs. Jefferson Custard III, which is quite a bunch of Custards. Yes, I guess I will. Great old name, Custard. Not what it used to be. The best you can say for Jeff is that he might die with his spats on. How do you feel? Me? Oh, I, I feel wonderful. I, I've never been happier. You don't sound very happy. David, I, I'm scared. Well, there's nothing to be scared about. I mean, I'm not sure. Well, here's Justice Carnes. You know Mr. Smith, of course, Justice. This is the bride, Miss Anne Krausheimer. Delighted, delighted. Ah, having a drink, I see. <laughs> yes. Won't you? Delighted, delighted. All right. Say when. <laughs> That's all there is. A uh, when? <laughs> well, here's to a long and happy marriage. Down the hatch, everybody. <sighs> excellent, excellent. Now let's proceed with the ceremony. Will the bride step forward? And the groom. <laughs> Did somebody push him? Oh, I knew it. He's down again. Hey, that was strong whiskey. I don't feel it myself, but I can see how others might. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Poor Jeff will never revive him now. I gather, I mean, I gather that the wedding is off. Yes, I guess it is. Poor little girl, there she stands, Justice Carnes. Uh, who's those two girls with her? <laughs> uh, those are the bridesmaids. She's the one in the middle. Doesn't your heart ache for justice? It even burns. <laughs> Look at it. No rings on her fingers and a drunken sod at her toes. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sacrifice myself to revive her faith in men. I'm going to marry her myself. Very well. Do you, David Smith, take this woman to be your lawful wedded husband, a wife? I certainly do. This whole thing is a plot. You made Jeff take that drink because you knew what would happen. Sure, and so did you. But did you try to stop him? Well. Proceed with the ceremony. Uh, do you and Chris whom, uh, Krim, Krum, who is her... Krus, who, Krum, Krum. Kraus, Kraus Heimer. Oh, you said it. <laughs> do you and uh, what he said take this man to be your lawful wedded wife? She does. I do not. She does. Make up your minds. Do she or don't she? No, I do, but... That's enough, that's enough. Then by authority of my virtuous man and wife, I now pronounce you justice of this county. <laughs> Thank you, Joan Bennett, Robert Young, and Ralph Bellamy. I don't know when we've had more fun rehearsing and presenting a Lady Esther Screen Guild Players program. We enjoyed it too, Mr. Bradley, for several reasons. Not the least of which is the fact that all the benefits from these programs go to the support of a charity which is very close to our hearts, the Motion Picture Relief Fund. And now, here is Robert Young. I have a message for you from our government. Our government and the railroads and bus lines of this country are specifically requesting civilians to avoid railway and bus travel between December 15th and January 5th. Please stay home between December 15th and January 5th and let a serviceman or his mother have your train or bus seat. 
Now here's Ralph Bellamy to tell you about next week's show. Next week, our Lady Esther Screen Guild players will bring you a program which has become a Christmas tradition in this theater. John Nesbitt's splendid radio adaptation of Oscar Wilde's story, The Juggler of Our Lady. Traditionally, too, Ronald Coleman will tell the story, and Nelson Eddy will bring to life the loveliest of all Christmas music. Thank you, and good night. Next week, then, Nelson Eddy and Ronald Coleman will bring you The Juggler and Our Lady. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Martin and Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis as they trade quips with the Roast Master General, Georgie Jessel. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, George Jessel, featuring Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. We're writing songs of love, but not for me. Gentlemen, you have just heard my partner Jerry Lewis singing. Your ears are not out of order. Oh, you're so smart, Dean Martin. I could have had a great voice. I should have stuck with my singing when I was a kid. Why? You're stuck enough with it now. <laughs> hey, Jerry, pardon me for butting in. Yeah, what is it, Ben? One of these days, you'll be great in television. I'm glad you think so, Ben, because I just auditioned an act for television. Say, that's wonderful, Jerry. Tell Ben the truth. Jerry? Tell him the truth? You tell him the truth. Go on, testify. <laughs> you mean Jerry didn't audition an act for television? Well, not quite. When we took our clothes down to the laundromat, Jerry locked himself in a Bendix washer and did Milton Berle imitations through the window. <laughs> A story and also completely untrue. Well, that's a shame. I thought it sounded like a great idea. You did? Sure. <laughs> For an encore, I blew soapy bubbles out of my ears. Oh, Jerry. The act wasn't funny, but it sure was clean. Jerry, why don't you stop? You should have seen it with you. I got in variety. It said, Jerry Lewis, no soap. <laughs> Jerry! What you all the time yelling at me like a big shot for? What you all the time yelling at me like a big shot for? That's as bad as throw the horse over the fence some hay. <laughs> Don't get smart with me, Dean Martin. You only made one picture, too. <laughs> Say, fellas, what's this I read in the papers about you making your next picture at 20th Century Fox? Well, we're not so sure about it. Not after what happened to us. After what happened to you? What was that? Well, one morning we walked into that Hollywood nightclub of ours. There was a sweet little old lady waiting for us. Good morning. Are you Mr. Martin and Mr. Lewis? Yes, we are. Well, my name is Pruella Quid. I'm looking for a job as a cigarette girl. <laughs> a cigarette girl? Why should a sweet old lady like you want to be a cigarette girl? That's what I've always been. Just a cigarette girl waiting for a man who knows tobacco best. <laughs> 
Well, I, I don't understand, Miss Quid. Uh, why did you choose to be a cigarette girl all your life? I couldn't help it. You see, before I was born, my mother was frightened by F.E. Boone. <laughs> well, we're, we're awfully sorry, Miss Quid, but our cigarette girl will have to be... Very young and attractive. Oh, don't you worry about that. When I get my mascara on and my wrinkled putty, I'm cute as a bug. <laughs> well, Miss Quid, suppose we think it over. Where can we find you? At the Griffin Manor. I'm living with my mother and my older sister. You see, I'm the baby. <laughs> Well, if we decide to hire you, we know where to get you now. Thanks and goodbye, Miss Quinn. Goodbye. You know, Dean, maybe we should consider her. She'd be different. Oh, now, Jerry, we've got more important things to think about. If we don't line up another picture, we're liable to slip right out of sight. Yeah. Why can't we be lucky like Boris Karloff? Look, it says here in the newspaper, three studios want him. Gee, Dean, if only one of us was ugly. Well, look at this story here Rita Hayworth expecting Can't you just see the doctor Coming out to Ali Khan and saying You are now the father of a bouncing baby boy Weight 52 carats (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now, Jerry, I doubt that would happen Hey, Dean, Dean Look what it says here in the newspaper. What, what? Daryl Zanuck looking for new young comedians. That's us, Dean. That's us. Now, now, now take it easy and don't, don't get excited. We got to act like, like we're not anxious at all. Uh, don't rush into anything and, and play very, very hard to get. Okay, we played long enough. <laughs> now, now, let's get out to the studio and uh, see him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Jerry. Calm down. We don't know Daryl Zanuck. We'd have an awful time trying to get in to see him. No, we wouldn't. He'll see Betty Grable anytime. I'll just make myself up to look like Betty Grable. Jerry, how could you possibly make yourself look like Betty Grable? Oh, Dean, think of a way and we'll both be so happy. <laughs> now, now, let's just uh, think this thing out. Who would know Mr. Zanuck? Mrs. Zanuck? <laughs> Jerry, you're going to be sensible. You talk like a man with two heads. I talk like a man with two heads. Me, Jerry Lewis, two heads. Say, Jerry. Yes, Sam. Doing anything later? No. Then how about me using the body tonight? No, I might go out later. <laughs> Why can't I ever have the body? After all, I'm the older head. Well, we agreed that I'd have charge of the body this week. Now, don't bother me. Lee <laughs> Hawaii is waiting. Well, you not saying... I like to sing. That's another thing. I don't want to have your tunes running through my head anymore. <laughs> all right, Sam. You ask... Which voice am I doing now? All right, Sam. You ask... You ask for it. This body isn't big enough for both of us. One of us has got to go. Jerry! No, Jerry, no. Let's be friends. We're in this thing together. Okay, Sam. We'll shake ears and make up. <laughs> and you, Dean Martin, you have the nerve to say I talk like a man with two heads. Uh, this boy wasn't born. He was booby-hatched. <laughs> Listen, Jerry, there must be somebody who saw us in our picture, my friend Irma, and who knows Mr. Zanuck. I got it, Dean. George Jessel. He's the big picture producer. And we know him and he knows Zanuck. Come on, let's go see him. Gee, this 20th Century Fox studio is a big place, isn't it, Dean? Yeah, just keep walking. Hey, Jerry, look. Doesn't this guy coming this way look familiar? Raise up, please. 
shoelaces, chewing gum, screen test. Why, it's Soapy. Yeah, hello, fellas. Well, what are you doing in the studio, Soapy? Why, I am a talent scout. A talent scout? Yeah, yeah, a talent scout. You know, that's uh, almost like a boy scout. You see, uh, I uh, help old ladies across the street. That is, if they have movie possibilities. <laughs> Well, have you discovered any talent, Soapy? <laughs> Give him. Have I discovered talent? Oh, why, I discovered June Haver, Hedy Lamar, Ava Gardner, Joan Crawford, Tilly Schultz. <laughs> Who was Tilly Schultz? She was my only mistake. <laughs> Soapy, I don't believe you discovered anybody. In fact, I bet you don't know a single person at the studio. Oh, is that so? Hey, look, look. There comes Betty Grable. Oh, boy, it is. Introduce her, Sophie. Yeah, well, okay. All right. Uh, hello, Betty. <laughs> Hi, Betty. Hello, Betty. Guess Harry's trumpet has deafened her. <laughs> now, Sophie, if you're really in the picture business, tell me, how do we get to Zanuck? Wait, that's very simple. You talk to Sam Goldwyn. Who's Sam Goldwyn? One of the Warner Brothers. <laughs> anyway, Toby, we're going to see George Jesso. He'll take us to Mr. Zanuck, I'm sure. Well, I got a better idea than that. Look, you see that open window in that building over there? Well, that is the office of Vladimir Gruskin. And he is Daryl Zanuck's right-hand man. Gee. Bee, you go stand under that window, you see, and you sing a song. And this Vladimir Gruskin, he will hear you, and then he will call you in. Go ahead. Try it, Dean. And if you run into any trouble, I'll come in on the second chorus. I'll be down to get you in a taxi, honey. You better be ready around a half past eight. Oh, baby, don't be late. I want to be there. When band starts, honey, we just remember when we get there, honey. Two steps, I'm going to have the all. Dance both in the shoes. I want to set a jolly roll of blues. Come on tonight at the dark time, strutter's ball. I'll be downtown to get you in a taxi, honey. You better be ready around a half past eight. Oh, baby, don't delay the one. When the band starts, sunny. Just remember when we get there, honey. Two steps, I'm gonna have them on. Dance of both of the shoes. Gonna play the jolly old Tomorrow night at the dark town, Shut the window, Jessel. I don't want to hear that street singer again. Yes, Mr. Greskin. Oh, Georgie, uh, tell me, what picture are you producing now? Well, Mr. Greskin, I've just finished, as you know, my new musical, Oh, You Beautiful Doll, and next... 
Well, I, if I have time, I... That's just it, when you have time. You're never on the lot. You're always flying somewhere around the country to make an after-dinner speech. George, I know you're a famous Toastmaster, but if a grocery store in Pomona opens, there's no reason it can't open without you making a speech. <laughs> I, I know that, and I'm very sorry, Mr. Grusin. It's just that, well, people seem to enjoy a few words from me after dinner. I guess I sort of take the place of bicarbonate of soda. <laughs> Now, you must understand, George, Mr. Zanuck has nothing against your outside activities. But when they interfere with production... Mr. Greskin, don't worry about me. I'll work out something definitely. You'd better work out something, because if I don't find you in the studios more often, you'll be out for good. Very well, Mr. Greskin. I'll go back to my office, if it's still there. Oh, to think that this could happen to me. Me on the verge of being fired. Me, Georgie Jessel, Toastmaster General of the United States, actor, author, comedian, producer. I may be fired. Well, that's Hollywood. One day putting your footprints in cement, the next day you're back mixing it. <laughs> well, what am I going to do if I get fired? I've been an actor all my life. What am I going to do? Well, let me see. Uh-huh. Nah, I don't want to be governor. <laughs> oh, my goodness, what a fool I've been. I've forgotten my beautiful dulcet singing voice. Who would I have to compete against these days? Vaughn Monroe. <laughs> my cocker spaniel sings lower than him. <laughs> Mel Torme, the velvet fog. Sounds like he's humming with a bagel in his mouth. <laughs> Let me see, what could I do? Well, I might get booked into the big nightclubs with a fine orchestra and pretty girls. Wait a minute. Do I still like pretty girls? Yeah, I still do. Oh. <laughs> I better go into my office and figure this whole thing out and make some plans. Well, hello, Mr. Jessel. We've been waiting to see you. I'm Martin. The singer? Yes. Well, how are you, Tony? <laughs> You got it wrong. He's Dean Martin, and I'm Lewis. Well, I'm glad you meet you, Lewis. I saw you fight at Madison Square Garden. You were... <laughs> uh, no, that was Joe Lewis. Well, for my seats, it could have been anybody, believe me. Dean, I thought we knew this guy. Mr. Jessel, you remember us? You saw us at the club. Martin and Lewis. I'm Dean Martin. Oh, of course. I'm just kidding, Dean. How are you? Say, listen, you look sleek and slick. Thanks. And you remember Jerry. Yeah, he looks slack, doesn't he? <laughs> Gee, Mr. Jessel, I've been looking forward to this moment ever since I watched your vaudeville act from my grandmother's lap. Now, just a minute, young man. You couldn't have watched my vaudeville act from your grandmother's lap. Your grandmother must be 20 years older than your mother, and your mother must be 20 years older than you. So if you add that all up, how old would that make me? Why, tell me, is your grandmother like me? <laughs> Mr. Jessel, you will admit you're not exactly a child. Well, I didn't say that I was, but I'm not an old guy either. I don't know why people talk the way they do. When I came in tonight, boys, I heard a fellow say, look, there's Jessel. Other fellow says, gee, he can still walk. Dean, did you hear that? Isn't he great? <laughs> he makes it up just like it's funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're only kidding you, Georgie. I loved you on the stage, honestly. No one could walk out and get the same reaction you could. Oh, now, please. I me. mean it. You're wonderful. I'll never forget the hush that used to fall over the entire audience the minute you told a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't love me so much. Hate me a little, will you, please? Now, let's all take it aside. What brought you two boys to my office? Well, Mr. Jessel, the reason we came to see you is uh, we want to talk to Mr. Zanuck. Well, I don't know about that, boys. Mr. Zanuck is a very hard person to see. But I thought he was looking for comedians. Jerry, that's not the way. Let me try. Look, Mr. Jessel, we know Mr. Zanuck is hard to see, but we figured he'd listen to a man of your ability, your superior stage presence, 
your captivating voice, and your good looks. Why, when you first... When you first walk in here, I thought you were Gregory Peck. Isn't that funny? Everybody makes that same mistake. <laughs> oh, Dean, I'm so unworthy of you. Boys, I'd like to take you in to see Mrs. Annick, but there are many complications. Now, let me ask you this. Would there be room for me to sing in your nightclub? You? Oh, if you sang, would there be room? <laughs> Georgie, you mean you'd like to take my place and work up there with Jerry? I don't know if you could stay in a place, old man. I am not afraid to get up there with you, young man, provided you have your hair cut. That is hair, isn't it? What is that? Certainly it's hair. It looks this way because I'm growing my own beret. (laughs) You shouldn't make fun of my head. Yesterday I went to a fortune teller who reads the bumps on people's heads, and he read mine. Now, what did he say? My head has the same plot as I was a male war bride. Boys, let's not beat around the jokes. Now, I tell you what I'll do. I'll get you in to see Mr. Zanuck if you let me sing in your club. But we've already got a singer. Dean. Yeah, but he imitates Crosby. Look at me. I imitate anybody. (laughs) Well, we'll do almost anything to get in to see Mr. Zanuck. Well, don't make it sound so awful. Remember, I've had quite a reputation as a singer. They even made a motion picture about me. Jessel sings again. Wait, I thought that was Jolson Sings Again. The same thing. Listen. California, here I come. Right back where I started from. Open up that golden gate. California, here I He's got an orchestra in his office. (laughs) Did you like that? Yeah, just shake it down. We'll remove the shingles in the morning. (laughs) Georgie, what will it help if you sing like Jolson? Well, I don't have to sing like Jolson. It just happens that we took from the same tonsils, that's all. As a matter of fact, I can be Eddie Cantor. The main difference between us, he has daughters, I had wives. Listen to this. If you knew Susie like I know Susie, oh, 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 what a girl. I had a mustache as cute as a pup. Susie kissed me, and she went the dancing up. If you knew Susie like I know Susie, oh, oh, what a girl. Well, Jay, what do you think? Shall we let him sing in the club? What do we need him for? I can do gesso. Listen to this. One bright and guiding eye That got me wrong from right I found in my mother's It's all settled. Now, here's what we'll do. I'll tell Mrs. Zanuck that I want you boys for a picture. My new picture, Moon Over the Catskills. I'll tell Zanuck, Zanuck, this will be a bigger hit than Oh, You Beautiful Doll on my next picture, Dancing in the Dark. See, then it looks like I'll finally get a chance to sing for Mr. Zanuck. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. But maybe you better run over number now, Dean. Do just for fun the number from our How Wallace picture, My Friend Irma. 
We'll do it, Jerry. We'll do it. Love me, love me. Say you love me. Just for fun. Softly sigh it, try it, try it, just for fun. If you're close to me, maybe you'll agree. Here at hand, that magic land. We're seeking constantly Tingle, tingle When we mingle Just for fun Let's pretend We'll never end What we've begun For if we play at love, we may stay in love, then you'll be glad you tried it just widest hallway I've ever seen. Well, you see, wide hallways are part of our plan here at 20th Century Fox. It gives the stenographers a sporting chance. <laughs> when they walk by the producers, you know. You mean the producers chase the stenographers? He's young, isn't he? <laughs> uh, Mr. Jessel, are you sure Mr. Gruskin will see us? Of course. Now, come on, fellas, and step lively. Hey, looky. Look who's coming down the hallway. Oh, yeah. Get a load of them high heels. Hiya, hop along. Howdy, boy. I love those cowboy boots. Oh, be quiet. Now, listen. Boys, here we are. Remove your hats. We are standing in front of the office of Mr. Valadir Gruskin. Say, Mr. Jessel, this seems pretty easy. Can anyone just go into Mr. Gruskin's office? I should say not. Mr. Gruskin is one of the world's most carefully guarded executives. He is, huh? Now, come on. I'll open his office door. Run for your lives, it's mighty Joe Young All right, Jerry Mr. Gruskin, may I present Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Gentlemen, Mr. Vladimir Gruskin Georgie, I told you before not to bring bookies into my office Bookies? Mr. Gruskin, we are actors Actors? Sure, ain't we, Dean? 
<laughs> well, of course. How now, brown cow? Now, look here, Georgie. I'm a very busy man, and look, I can't... Look, look, look. You've got to give these boys a chance, Mr. Russian. They're really great actors. They can do anything. From Barry Fitzgerald to Clark Gable. These boys are... I got to agree with you, Damien boy. Another time that I'm really going to see you, but I don't know now. Hello, baby. <laughs> Now, just a minute, boys, and get. Even though I never get a seat, I'm going to get a seat. There, baby. Don't overdo this thing. Even though I never get a seat, I'm going to get a seat. Get dry, baby. Oh, shut up! <laughs> My job is at stake. You've got to just give Georgie, me. Georgie, I'm a very busy man. If these boys have any acting ability at all, please have them do a scene for me. A scene? Mr. Gruskin, these gentlemen have a whole screenplay they're going to do for you. They have a movie all planned out. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Now, go ahead, fellas. This is your big chance. Okay, here we go. Now, just imagine this, Mr. Gruskin. <laughs> We're inside a movie theater. One of the biggest movie theaters in the whole world. The lights go dim. And the title of the pictures flashed on the screen. 20th Century Fox presents that great picture that all the world has been waiting for. <laughs> Bulldog Drummond bites Lassie. <laughs> the greatest picture ever made. It's colossal. It's terrific. It's gigantic. It's sensational. It's a re-release. <laughs> But it's the greatest picture that was ever made. Just look at the cast. Martin and Lewis, Gary Cooper, Martin and Lewis, Ingrid Bergman, Martin and Lewis, Ronald Coleman, Martin and Lewis, Joan Crawford, Martin and Lewis, James Mason, Martin and Lewis, Claudia Colbert, Martin and Lewis, George Rapp, Martin and Lewis, Reddy Young, Martin and Lewis, Spencer Tracy, Martin and Lewis, Jennifer Jones, Martin and Lewis. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the matter? Don't you like Jennifer Jones? (laughs) Now look here, I'm a busy man. Now just a minute. Boss, this is a great street. Now, let the boys tell it to you. Believe me, this is what the studio needs. Go ahead, boys. It is? Very well, then. Continue, gentlemen. Thanks, boys. Now, the picture begins. What a story. What a story. Picture, if you will, a small, dirty room in a broken-down tenement house. A young girl is sitting in a broken-down chair next to a broken-down table. She is holding a broken-down baby. (laughs) And now... Now comes the real dramatic part of the story. Yes. This is a tragedy that happens every day. It's the story of a young girl with an unmarried baby. <laughs> now look here, George. This joke has gone far enough. Take these bookies out of here. <laughs> they can do something else besides not acting. Yeah, we're singing. <laughs> he finally got a funny line. Let him keep it. <laughs> Johnny Newcomer. (laughs) Well, I don't want to hear any singers. But we're good singers. I don't want to hear any singers. But, boss, the boys and I have whipped up a little arrangement. I don't want to hear any arrangements. I hate singers. But this song is Oh, You Beautiful Doll, a song from the picture, my picture, Oh, You Beautiful Doll, a 20th Century Fox production. Well, what are we waiting for? I love (laughs) Oh, you beautiful doll. Great, big, beautiful. I ran my fingers through her hair. Oh, how I wish that she was there. Well, the about you. Ah, 
could never live without you. Oh, you beautiful girl, you great big beautiful. When I see a girl like you, who but I always make a boo boo. <laughs> my heart will ache. I wanna hug you, but I fear you'd break. Oh, 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 you beautiful girl. Thank you, George, for coming on our show. Can we make a picture at your studio? No, please, please no, please, no, please, no, because you're no beautiful doll. I'm only kidding. We know we're Georgie. What do you think? Yeah, uh, what did you think? Y'all like it, Mr. Greskin? <laughs> yes, sir. Get these bookies out of here. <laughs> what about me? My face is in the balance. Am I still a producer or what am I? Georgie. Yes, boss. Here's two dollars. Put it on citation to win. Thank Good you. night, Georgie. Thanks for everything. Good night, everybody. See you next week, Transcribed in Hollywood is produced by Robert L. Redd, written by Charlie Isaac, Zach Douglas, Dick McKnight, and Ray Allen. Martin Lewis currently may be seen in the picture, my friend Irma. This has been Alexander suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Friday evening, this same hour, for the Martin and Lewis Show. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor, and I hope you're with me next week when I'll uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.